0: Let's turn our Bibles to 1 Samuel chapter 18. 1 Samuel chapter 18. For those of you just coming in, Pastor is out sick. So I'll be sitting for him for Sunday school, and Brother Luke's going to be preaching in the main service. So y'all pray for us as we get started. 1 Samuel chapter 18 this morning. In teen class, we've been going over quite a bit of 1 Samuel. We started actually in Ruth, and we have made our way through. 1 Samuel up to 1 Samuel chapter 18. And so one of the things I do uh, pretty heavily in teen class, I ask a lot of questions. I put them on the spot. I put them on the spot and they, sometimes they get a little nervous and sometimes they, they get up and about and they, they uh, answer me back with my questions. I'll save you with questions in here today. I don't have any candy. All human beings from zero to one hundred love candy, and I usually give that out. Uh, you have some candy? Yeah, you love candy. In First Samuel chapter eighteen, we kind of come to this point. Chapter seventeen, what just happened was is that uh, David fights Goliath and is victorious. We have this great victory, and the Israelites are coming out and they are charging forward. And they, are, they take over the Philistines. And the Philistines, they came out, and what did Goliath say? Goliath said that, you know, if we defeat you, you're going to be our servants. And if you defeat us, we'll be your servants. And as everyone knows, that's read chapter 17, and that the Philistines, what do they do when they're defeated? Well, they flee. They flee. It's typical. That's the typical enemy. They want to make a bargain. They want to make a deal. But they don't hold up their end of the deal or the bargain. We're studying chapter as we've studied Saul. Saul is a is a very interesting character in the Bible. It's similar. It seems almost similar to like Peter, where we can relate with Saul, and that so many things. And what we do is is that we're quick to judge Saul, to judge him. Is this still on? Okay, kind of dropped out there for a second. We're quick to judge Saul. We're quick to pass judgment on him and say why would he do that why would he why would he not slay all the Amalekites why would he not obey he should have obeyed completely the word of the Lord he should have gone and been thorough even if you go back to chapter 14 and him making those irrational decisions you guys remember what happens in chapter 14 or my Bible scholars I should put you on the spot here we go I have a candy Chapter 14, what happens? What tree is uh, Saul sitting under? Pomegranate, yeah. And there's maybe some rep- representation with that pomegranate tree, maybe some richness, maybe it's a sign. Maybe it's just a pomegranate tree, right? What we see in chapter 14 is, is that uh, he makes, Saul is, is kind of coming out the, uh, as he's practicing king, and we see that he starts making some irrational decisions. The irrational decisions that he makes he says, no one is going to eat any food. No food until evening. I need to be avenged in my enemies. No food. And what do you have? You have Jonathan, his son. Well, he didn't get the memo. And Jonathan, he goes and he takes his staff and he dips it in a little bit of honey and puts honey up. And he's revived. And it's like it says, the Bible says that his eyes are enlightened. And he comes back. Because if you look in there, Jonathan is kind of this... Uh, compare and contrast in chapter 14, what we have is, is that we have Saul, and Saul who is sitting under the pomegranate tree, What relative in contrast to Jonathan, who goes out and he fights the battles. He's like, the Lord will be with us. Let us have faith. Essentially, he's talking to his armor bearer, and they're going up into that Philistine garrison, and they go, and they go, and they fight, and they're victorious. And Saul hears all these Noises in the camp and he's and noises at the Philistines, and it's like, what's going on? And there's this this great victory that's being wrought because it says that the Philistines start turning on each other and start fighting each other. But this irrational decision, and you almost see to the point where Saul wanting to save face when it comes down to Jonathan and Saul, because they were casting lots and they were saying, Well, what's the sin? What's what's going on here? And it comes down to Saul and Jonathan, and Jonathan draws, the, essentially, the short straw. And Saul says, well, what have you done? And he's like, well, I took honey and I ate it. And Saul says, well, you're going to surely die. And then the people step in and they're like, wait, wait. He just wrought this wonderful victory. How can you kill this man when he's just gone through this? And so we see these, this irrationality, and then we move into chapter 15. And Samuel comes down and says, time for you to kill the Amalekites. Time for you to take care of business. And Saul moves out, yes sir, and he moves out and he doesn't completely obey the Lord. And what's he do? He blames it on the people. He's like, the people, the people spoke, and, I, and, and they wanted, they chose the best of the sheep. They chose to save the king alive. They, and he pushes the blame onto someone else. And then we get those, those famous uh, passages of scripture. In fact, it's the teen's memory verse, and let's go to chapter 15. Let's read it. Hold your place in chapter eighteen. We're coming back. Verse. And saying the Lord and burnt off sacrifices, as in obeying the voice of the Lord. Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to hearken than the fat of rams. For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft, and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Because thou hast rejected the word of the Lord. So rejected thee from being king, and then Saul from his own mouth. Let's read in twenty four. And Saul said unto Samuel, I ha- I have sinned, for I have transgressed the commandment of the Lord, in thy words, because I feared the people and obeyed their voice. So we go back to chapter eighteen, and we'll continue to talk about the story here. So what we have is is that we have. Um, we have Saul, who's obviously, and there's judgment pronounced on him here. There's judgment pronounced, because this isn't the first time he's disobeyed. There's a previous time in chapter 13, where he starts to, um, he disobeys again. He actually offers sacrifices when he was, was not supposed to offer a sacrifice. And it's interesting, what were the sacrifices, oh, that's the teens. what were the sac- two sacrifices that he was going to offer? You guys remember? I'll jog your memories. He offered the first one and then he never got to the second one. You guys remember? Okay, no crickets. Offered the burnt offering, but he never made it to the peace offering. And that's that's interesting is is that Saul, we see in all of Saul's life this lack of peace. This lack of peace because he chooses his way over the Lord's way. And we see these irrational decisions. What we're going to study today in 1 Samuel chapter 18 is is that we're going to see some more rationality come out. The Bible says that Saul gets very wroth. But before that, I'm going to continue to catch you up. Let's see. So chapter 15 is this great disobedience, and we have those two great passages of Scripture that talk to us about to obey is better than sacrifice and how rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. Then we have chapter 16 that starts out where Saul, or Samuel, is mourning. Samuel's mourning, and the Lord talks to him. He's like, how long are you going to mourn, Samuel. Get up and get going. We have another king to anoint. And in chapter 16, what we have is that Samuel goes down to Bethlehem. Bethlehem, let's see. To Jesse of Bethlehem. And he calls Jesse to the sacrifice, and he says, And I will show thee what thou shalt do, and thou shalt anoint me on him unto him whom I name unto thee. This is in chapter 16, I'm reading. And if you go to verse 7, it's really interesting is this, that there's a liab. Eliab passes by as, he's, uh, as he brings, Jesse brings his sons, getting ready to have one of them, and he doesn't know which one. He brings Eliab, the firstborn, the guy he's going to be when Jesse dies, this is the next patriarch. This is the man that will be taking care of the family. Eliab, the big, strong guy, supposedly. But you know what? In verse 7, as Eliab passes by in verse 6, the, the verse 7 says, But the Lord said to Samuel, Look not on his countenance, or on the height of his stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord seeth not as man seeth. For man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on the heart. And if you study the rest of that, Jesse makes all of his sons to pass before Samuel. And Samuel's like, The Lord hasn't chosen any of these. None of these. Big strong guys, strapping young lads. Nothing. Do you have any more sons? Well, yeah, there's one, but he's out He's not taking care of the sheep, those dumb, dirty animals. No way is it that guy. So they bring David in, and guess what? He's the chosen one. He's anointed. And if you watch, David goes right back to caring for the sheep because that's his responsibility. You know, all of us in here today as human beings, we have a choice every day. What separates us from everything else is that we have that free will that God has given to us and that you are responsible for your decisions. I am responsible for my decisions. And I iterate that over and over and over again to the teenagers. It's important to understand is that options may be taken away from you. Maybe you have three hospitals you could go to, and maybe two of them are taken away, maybe you're, and you are taken two of those hospitals and you have one option. Options are things, but you know, you and me, we have choices. We have choices to make in our very lives. You know, as pastor is uh, coming, and he's talking to us about serving in the church, and we have this this ministry fair. Each and every one of us can serve in this church. Each and every one of us can take responsibility for our peace in this church. You You know, we can't, pastor cannot do everything. Let's make that statement loud and clear. But we can all together, as a church, local church body, we can come together and we can choose together to serve the Lord. In that job fair tonight, pray about what the Lord would have you to do. You know, what we see with David, it's really interesting. We're going to read in chapter 18. And it's just a really, it's a quick sentence and then we move on, but it's really important. It talks about how Saul would not let David go to his house anymore. And the teenagers, thing we were going to talk about today and I'll talk about it in here, is, is that, you know, that, that came, where David left those sheep. And he never went back to those sheep. It doesn't, in scripture, we don't see him going back and being a sheep herder or a shepherd, shepherd anymore. You know, David was faithful in that lowly, dirty, taking care of those dumb animals for the time that he was supposed to. He was responsible. He chose to do that. He chose obedience to his Father as opposed to his own will and his own desires. There may come a day as, as we are faithful in the little things that God has given us. God may, depending on your heart, depending on my heart, he may give us something that would be great or a greater responsibility. But he's watching each and every one of us. You know the Bible talks about is that like he thinks about us. He thinks about us. Now that kind of I don't know about you, but that scares me. Because, man, he, if, he, if he is studying my heart, I was like, oh, Lord, don't look at that. Can't go in, Don't go in that room. That's dirty. Right? But he wants to be in us. And he wants those rooms. And you know, again, it comes back to is that we have choices. If you're lost in here today, you're making a choice. If you hear truth, but you reject it, you've made a choice. If you're saved and you're on your way to heaven, but there are things that you're holding on to. One of the things as human beings that we hold on to the most is resentment. Someone said something to me and I didn't like it. The resentment, it formulates in this big, nasty, disgusting, dare I say it, a puss ball. It's gross. You've seen those, haven't you, I'm sure. And we harbor it, and we're like, no, Lord, you can't have that room. You can't have that thing. Don't go in there. That's dirty. We have this responsibility towards making our decisions. And we can make those decisions towards truth and pursuing truth. Or we can make those decisions. And what's interesting is is that when we harbor that resentment, what does resentment eventually turn into? It can turn into bitterness. Oof, that's a yucky drink. That's this nasty, disgusting thing. And bitterness can harbor, and it manifests, and it grows. You know, before the job fair tonight, think about, let us think about our own heart condition and what we harbor in our hearts. When you step up and you're starting to begin to serve people, people can be really hard. (laughs) People are going to do you wrong. They're going to say something, and they need a lot of grace. Maybe they're going to say something that hurts you. Or causes a wound in your heart. And it's like arrows. You know, you're, again, responsible for your decisions. It's, it's uh, my brother-in-law. He handed me a book. It's called Your Reactions Are Showing. It's a little thin little pamphlet. And it talks about how we can react in our flesh. Or we can respond in the spirit. And uh, there are things as, as that things are done to us. And we, our natural flesh is that I want to fight. I want to get back at that person. I want to zing that person. How dare you make me do that thing? But we have a choice. We have a choice. And we're going to see David. That was all free, no charge. Chapter 17, end of chapter 16, that David is brought in and he plays the harp. And there's something really on cool in that chapter about music. Well, we won't stop there. And David becomes the armor bearer to Saul An armor bearer is supposed to know that that armor backwards and forwards, able to assemble it, disassemble it. It's kind of like, you know, assembling a gun or disassembling and putting it back together with you blindfolded. I mean, that armor bearer really knew that armor. He was really close with that person. So David and Saul become close. In chapter 17, we see Goliath come about. And we see this challenge to the Israelites. Now, it took 40 days, 40 days of... Goliath coming out, and he did it morning and evening. And he came out, and he was like, I defy your God. And he would just berate those Israelites time and time again. he would come out, and he would uh, say nasty things against them. David comes down because Jesse, his dad, tells him, you should come on down. Go on down. Take the bread. Take the cheese. Go see your brothers. Because the three oldest brothers were down there fighting with Saul. And we see this, that... David, again, is responsible for those sheep. Because it doesn't say that he just left the sheep and he walked out. He actually gave them to a keeper and was responsible. You know, as we are looking at what we're responsible for, something I talk to the teens about, and we're just being transparent in here, is, is that, you know, if you, as you are in your parents' house, you're responsible to obey your mom and dad, to obey what they tell you. And that if, as you're responsible in that, and you show the Lord your heart, and if it's done out of a pure heart, perhaps the Lord will take that and will make you into something different. There will be a day, though, that you will not be living in your parents' house anymore. And for the rest of us, it's really more so about, are we obeying the Lord and His command? You know, we just read about how to obey is better than sacrifice, is that maybe we are doing things in our flesh. And maybe you're coming about, and it's hard, maybe you are... Um, You're doing things in your flesh, but it's not what the Lord has told you to do, told me to do. When we obey him, he does give us grace. He does give us what we need in that time. We can take a lesson from David is that if we are responsible in the things that God gives us, is, is that God will take care of us if we trust in him and we leave it to him. God can bring you here. God can take you out. God can allow you to get into a ministry and serve people, and he can take that away. God gives and God takes away. It is up to us, though, to choose obedience. Because that's what God values. So we see chapter 17. And then we see kind of near the end, or middle of chapter 17. We see how uh, in verse 34, 35, 36, David's talking to Saul. And he says, And David said unto Saul, Thy servant, kept his father's sheep, and there came a lion and a bear. and took a lamb out of the flock, and I went out after him, and smote him, and delivered it out of his mouth. And when he arose against me, I caught him by his beard, and smote him, and slew him. Thy servant slew both the lion and the bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be as one of them, seeing he hath defied the armies of the living God. David said, Moreover, the Lord that delivered me out of the paw of the lion and out of the paw of the bear, he will deliver me out of the hand of the Philistine. And Saul said unto David, Go and the Lord be with thee. So we see David, he he has now by now he has heard the Goliath, the Philistine of Gath come out and speak against the Israelites. And we see in a few verses behind back about Eliab getting onto him, about coming down. And David's like, Is there not a cause? I was I'm obeying dad. You know, there's two types of people in the room there's lost and they're saved and the only person out of this entire room that I can be sure of in salvation is myself I cannot assume each and every person in here today is saved you have a choice if you're lost you hear truth and reject it and you die you will go to hell you hear truth and accept it you'll go to heaven you'll form it even yes you go to heaven and that is you're fireproof that's good but man, we get that eternal relationship with Jesus. That connection. That he knows our name now. He knows us. And we're not going to hear, depart from me, I never knew you. He knows us. You know, there's another group. If we think about it, is, is that all of us, one day, if the Lord tarries. And we, we're not raptured out. That we're going to die. And death, death is a is a, uh, let's see, can be a terrible truth. Because we all have to face it. One day or the other. Young people die, old people die, middle-aged people die, babies die. uh, That can be a very sobering thought. One of the things that can be very sobering, if you've ever studied, is the Holocaust. You've studied the Holocaust, you've heard about the Holocaust, how millions of Jews and other types of people were sent into those German concentration camps and were slaughtered, treated like animals. And death was real to those people. Uh, I was reading an account about a concentration camp uh, victim, he was a doctor, and he, um, he he noticed as people got into the concentration camps and how serious this thing was, um, and how he himself, it, they were all wearing down. You get a little bowl of watery soup, maybe a piece of bread, maybe some leftover sausage, and that was it for the day, but you would have to work hard labor and hard hours all day. And he noticed as the prisoners around him, he even noticed himself, is this, that there was kind of this, at first it was shocking, It's terrible, It's terrible as they would lead those people, they'd hand them a bar of soap, and then they would take them to those gas chambers saying, you're gonna get a shower. And it was this terrible, terrible thing and this death that these guys and girls were faced with, these men and women, boys and girls of all ages, they were faced with that, and it was terrible. And they came to a point where they were apathetic, though, these people wrapped around with all this death, and they kind of grew, it's like, you know, people are are gonna die, and there was typhus would break out, typhus would break out, and as a doctor, he's trying to help these people, you know, nurse them back to health, but some of the cases that get so bad that they would, you know, obviously pass on. And some of the that these prisoners would get to the point of is, is that while the body was still warm, they'd start pulling off shoes. I like those shoes. Maybe a watch, if they had a watch or something like that. They would take everything from them. You were just a number to those Germans in that concentration camp. Those folks were faced with death every day. And though we're not faced with death now, we're not faced with death, perhaps as imminent as those folks were. We're still all going to walk through a door if the rapture does not happen. And, you know, some of us, we're going to look back at our lives and we're going to say, you know, I, for the most part, I lived my life for the Lord, or I lived my life in truth. And maybe there's only a handful of that, because, folks, if we're honest, more oftentimes than not, we choose what we want to do and not necessarily what he wants us to do. You know, we find ourselves this is that we find ourselves kind of fallen into Saul and kind of how he behaves, and that he would rise to the level of the expectations of others instead of living for the Lord or living for truth. On our deathbed, perhaps if you've lived a hundred years and you're on your deathbed, will you look back? Will I look back and say I lived my life to the expectation? others. I lived it for the Lord. Man, if you think and pause there for a second, am I doing today what the Lord wants me to do? Am I obeying him right now this second in my life, with my family, with friends, with my work, my co-workers? Man, if you really, if you take that and you think about it, it's like, well, you know, no one's really guaranteed tomorrow we could all be dead. We're not even guaranteed that we have freedom to continue meeting in services like this. It is our decisions today that will affect us tomorrow and the next day. I reiterate this with the teens consistently. I say the decisions that you're making today, you're gonna reap those benefits or those consequences in a year, five years, 10 years, and we go over and it says that if you are dabbling in sin, if you're in sin and gross sin, or maybe you've just been deceived, or maybe you're harboring that resentment, that grows and grows. And it's that choice to hang on to that yucky, nasty pusball. ball. We all have choices in here today. We all have choices. We can align with truth God's word, with the Lord, with the Holy Spirit. If you're saved, he lives inside of you. Or you can rise to the expectations of others, which is very limiting, if you think about it. We Rise to this expectation of others. And I'm not necessarily talking about, you know, as pastor, he's formulated our vision for the church. And as a church, we can get behind that vision, we can drive with him. And what I'm talking about is, is that as someone who, as Saul, who kind of comes up to what the People expected him to do. If you think about that offering back in chapter 13, I think, where he offers the an offering, and it's kind of like the people expected something. The Philistines are coming down. We've got to do something. So what does he do? He jumps in there and offers a burning offering, and then Samuel shows up. And he Saul was not supposed to offer that offering. If you look at it, it's that he's rising to the occasion of others. He's coming, and not in necessarily a positive sense. He's It's a negative sense, and that he is as someone else is dictating for his life, it's like, well, I'm going to save those few animals that I think. But even though God said that I need to destroy all of them, I'm going to save it because that's what people want. I obeyed the voice of the people. We hear it from his own mouth. We have to ask ourselves today, are we obeying the Lord? Or are we obeying people? Are we choosing for what, how things look and are perceived by people? Are we going to get honest and fess up to the Lord, our true state? Can I tell you that living a life for truth, of truth, is challenging? Living a life of expectation of others and what other people expect of us, as opposed to obeying the voice of the Lord, that's easy. There's almost kind of like a laziness involved in that, because it's like, well, the decision's been made for me. You know, if... uh, if you are perhaps we're the church, maybe we're working around the church, and it's like, well, I only have this section. I don't need to do any other section. I just do my section. You know, maybe the Lord wants you to do more sections. Maybe the Lord wants you to do zero sections and wants you to go to a different ministry. You're responsible for your choices. You're responsible for your decisions, and that what God tells you in from Scripture to obey is better than sacrifice obeying the voice of the Lord and what he tells each and every one of us. You know, I don't think it's an accident that we have this ministry fair. And one of the things, does anyone remember, found it, this is the, I don't think a pastor came out with a theme this year, and I don't remember 2021, but I remember 2020. You guys remember the theme verse that he came out with? Oh, you just, <laughs> she's like, I'm, I'm just scratching my nose. I'm not, it is in Acts, yeah, acts 542 all right I'll, I'll go over there if you want to go over there with me fine acts 5:42. i found this so ironic because pastor comes right out and says this and then in march we're all sent home or whatever 542 i'll read it for you and daily in the temple and in every house they cease not to teach and preach jesus christ and i thought it was interesting so it says like well we went to the house and we were teaching and preaching jesus christ and that we were separated uh for a little while and i'm thankful that we're all back together but as a church, we can really get behind pastor's vision, and we can jump in. Uh, what's that saying? Dream work, uh, teamwork makes a dream. We can come together as a body of believers right now and get behind our pastor and get under him. And you remember, do you remember that, um, that passage of scripture where Moses was raising his hands? you remember that? And he was raising his hands, and Joshua, and I think it was the Amalekites, they were fighting down there and every time moses had his hands up they were winning and then he put his hands down and they were losing and who are the two people that held it yep you know aaron and her aaron and her were holding up his arms you know folks is that if we get behind our pastor and as he is get this drive you know i don't think it's an accident that he got sick this morning he comes out and says we have this vision we're going to drive we're going to grow our sunday school we're going to do this and he sets that and he's like come on church let's go and then the enemy attacks and he gets sick. I don't think that's necessarily a coincidence. You know, the enemy does not want to see us to grow. He doesn't want, the enemy does not want to see souls saved. But as we choose, as we have, as a collective church body, as we choose to come together and have, take on that responsibility of uh, that we are going to work together, we're going to work together. We're going to work to see that Sunday school classes work, to have that discipleship ministry. We're going to have people come in. Maybe you, don't, maybe you can't sing or maybe you don't sing well, but you can come in the church choir. I, I take a lot of folks, take all kinds. You come on back and we'll sing. Because it's for the glory of God, folks. It is not for our glory. If we view it as for our glory, then we're kind of coming again back to that expectation of others. It's like, well, look at me. Instead of coming in humility to the Lord and saying, Lord, what do you want me to do? What is it that you would have for me? Man, I'll <laughs> Chapter 18, chapter 18. And it came to pass, when he had made an end of speaking unto Saul, that the soul of Jonathan was knit with the soul of David, and Jonathan loved him as his own soul. And Saul took him that day and would let him go no more to his father's house. Then Jonathan and David made a covenant because he loved him as his own soul. And Jonathan stripped himself of the robe that was upon him, and gave it to David, and his garments, even to his sword, and to his bow, and to his girdle. And David went out whithersoever Saul sent him, and behaved himself wisely. And Saul set him over the men of war, and he was accepted in the sight of all the people, and also in the sight of Saul's servants. And it came to pass, as they came, when David was returned from the slaughter of the Philistine, that the women came out of all cities of Israel, singing and dancing. To meet King Saul with tabrets, with joy, and with instruments of music. And the women answered one another as they played, and said, Saul has slain his thousands, and David his ten thousands. And verse 8, And Saul was very wroth. And the saying displeased him. And he said, They have ascribed unto David ten thousands, and to me they have ascribed but thousands. And what can he have more but the kingdom? Let's pause there for a second. You know, we're looking at this is that, in your own minds, were the women right necessarily in this passage of scripture for singing? or right, let's see. Is it verse six? Oh no, verse seven. Saul is slain his thousands, and David is ten thousands. You know, I, I can't speak for them, but I can is that if you really look at the resumes of David and Saul, Saul has been a much more uh, a, a lengthy seasoned warrior. He's been fighting Philistines. If you were to go back chapters, Saul, he was fighting everybody. Man, that guy was a seasoned warrior. You look at David's resume. Yeah, we got lions and bears and giants. That's that's a really good start. And he's just a kid at this. Well, relatively speaking, I guess he's a young young guy. He hasn't slayed thousands of people. As he hasn't slayed ten thousands. So for Saul to take this as again for him to get mad about it, get wrath, extremely mad. It's like if this was a, like a anger spectrum, he'd be pegged out. He's getting extremely mad, and he's like, "What about David? Uh, let's see here. They have ascribed unto David ten thousands, and to me they have ascribed but thousands. That looks bad. Looks like I haven't killed as many people as David." But I've killed a lot of people. And what can he have but the, except but the kingdom? Again, he's looking at this and he's saying, it's like, well, you know, David at this point, he, maybe he's a hero, but instead of turning to the Lord and saying, this is, I know that doesn't sound right. And Lord, I'm, I want to respond. I want to react to this. I'm going to get really mad. But Lord, I give that all to you. He doesn't do that. He does. He lets himself go. let that emotion overtake him. He doesn't practice self-control here. He gets very wroth. And we see this. Uh, it, takes a, it takes the focus off of people, and he puts it on himself. And he's like, well, there's something wrong with me. He's almost like he's having to live defensively, living defensively. And if we were to compare the two, if we compare David with Saul, we see that it's more so as, as that David lives this life of victory, lives this life of truth. Now, granted, over there in Second Samuel, we do see David mess up. And he, chooses, he makes some choices. But at this point in time, what God talks about is that a man after God's own heart, a man after truth, slaying the lion, the bear, the giant, it's almost like topical. If we really dig in and we look at David's heart and how he wanted to serve the Lord and he chose truth, even though those, those sheep, that was not a glamorous duty. But we see in verse 2, it says that he... And Saul took him that day and would let him go no more home to his father's house. We see there come a point, teens, that you're not going to live with your mom and dad anymore. You're not forever under their, uh, their household. Maybe to an extent. But there will come a point, perhaps one day, that you move out of that house. And that as you obey your mom and dad... That it's it's not a practice round, but it's in essence you're obeying the Lord. And as you learn to hear his voice and you listen for him and he talks to you, it will come about as if that you're saved, you'll want to obey your mom and dad. And that when you get out of their house, you're going to turn and obey the Lord and what he tells you to do. That is critical in this day and age to listen for his voice. Sometimes that seems a little abstract and teens will get into like, what that actually means, because I'm not just hand-waving up here. Obeying the voice of the Lord can save you from a lot of trouble. Being in His can save you from much trouble. But we don't listen to Him. and We don't obey Him. And these are the lessons we have to learn. And as Saul, is, he's getting very wroth, we see that we have this David the victor living in truth. And we see Saul, Saul is a... Self-victim. And he victimizes himself, and he looks at himself and says, I have these women singing that Saul, Saul sings thousands and David sits ten thousands. I, I'm, I'm the one being punished here. I mean, David, he's a hero, but I'm the one, I'm the victim. I'm, you know, how, how dare they? How dare they? And it kind of shows even more reflection internally to Saul as we continue to read this story. He gets really wroth. He has all this pride. He has this built up. And he rises to the level of the expectation of others. You know, as we live for the Lord, perhaps there's other people in the room. Maybe they do more for the Lord. Maybe they do less. The point is is to get our eyes off of other people that are around us and get our eyes on the Lord. our eyes on the Lord, He will tell us what to do. He will guide us into all truth. But we don't. We kind of look at ourselves and it's like, well, what was me? I'm, I'm a, you know, that person said, hurt my feelings. That person, he or she did something wrong against me. You know, as we look at people, and this is challenging. This is, human, this is human life. This is just life. Folks, as we look, are we looking at people around us? Or are we keeping our eyes and our focus on the Lord? This is the question for each of us this morning. Do we focus on him or do we focus on ourselves? Do we, focus, do we worry more about what other people think and not walking in truth and obeying his voice? These are questions that we all have to answer for ourselves. This is, I am no judge. God is my judge. And one day, each and every one of us as you're on your deathbed and you're reviewing your life. Perhaps that's in a hospital. Perhaps that's at home. Perhaps wherever that may be, maybe it's a peaceable death. But as you're looking back over your life, you're know, like, did I go up and uh, did I rise to the expectation of others? Did I do what other people wanted me to do? Or did I do what God wanted me to do? All of us that are saved, one day we're going to meet Christ. We're going to bow before him. And it's going to be a really terrible thing. That's my opinion. I think it's going to be a fearful thing to be before him. All of us have to give an account for ourselves. And if you're not going to, if you right now, you can either choose to be honest with him and walk in that truth, or you can be deceived and walk in our flesh, walk in your flesh, walk in my flesh. And as we study and look at David, and David consistently, it talks about how he behaved himself wisely, and that saw for no good reason, Just kept coming after him. Let's kind of read some more, and then I'll wrap up. And Saul eyed, verse 9, And Saul eyed David from that day forward. Count how many and-Sauls we have going on here. Verse 10, And it came to pass on the morrow that the evil spirit from God came upon Saul, and he prophesied in the midst of the house, and David played with his hand as at other times. And there was a javelin in Saul's hand. And Saul cast the javelin, for he said, I will smite David even to the wall with it. And David avoided out of his presence twice. And Saul was afraid of David, because the Lord was with him and was departed from Saul. Therefore Saul removed him from him and made him his captain over a thousand. And he went out and came in before the people. And David behaved himself wisely in all his ways, and the Lord was with him. Wherefore, when Saul saw that he behaved himself very wisely, he was afraid of him. But all Israel and Judah loved David, because he went out and came in before them. And Saul said to David, Behold, my elder daughter Miriam. Her will I give thee to wife only. Be thou valiant for me and fight the Lord's battles. For Saul said, Let my, not mine hand be upon him, but let the hand of the Philistines be upon him. And David said unto Saul, Who am I? And what is my life? Or my father's family in Israel, that I should be son-in-law to the king? But it came to pass at, that, at the time when Mirab, Saul's daughter, should have given to, been given to David, that she was given unto Adriel, the Methalite, to wife. And Michael, Saul's daughter, loved David, and they told Saul, and the thing pleased him. And Saul said, I will give him her, that she may be a snare to him, and that the hand of the Philistines may be against him. Wherefore Saul said to David, Thou shalt this day be my son-in-law, and the one of the twain. Let's see, let's drop down to verse uh, 28. And Saul saw and knew that the Lord was with David, and that Michael, Saul's daughter, loved him. And Saul was yet the more afraid of David, And Saul became David's enemy continually. Then the princes of the Philistines went forth, and it came to pass after they went forth that David behaved himself more wisely than all the servants of Saul, so that his name was much set by. We consistently see just in in the verses that we read that Saul is getting afraid of David. Saul's mad. Saul gets afraid of David constantly. As David is behaving himself, it says, more wisely, Saul... Becomes David's enemy. I don't think necessarily that David cho- chose for Saul to be the enemy, because now by this end of chapter 18, who? What is the relationship with Saul now? Son-in-law, father-in-law, man, those are families. Now it's those are going to have uh, royal grandbabies running around in the palace. That's a very different. But now it seems as the Saul is consistently making this enemy out of David who really hasn't done anything he's only done good things he's he's going out fighting battles he the past the part we just skipped over he kills up to 200 Philistines he's just doing wonderful he's taking care of problems for Saul yeah he consistently comes about as the enemy of Saul and I think that what this boils down to is this is more so of a reflection inside of Saul it's a reflection of who Saul really is and that he and that, you know, the girls were saying thousands and ten thousands, and then he's getting mad. And it's like, well, is that truth or not? And Saul, you you can discern that, but he doesn't. He chooses his emotion. He chooses his anger to overtake him. You know, when we walk in truth versus that expectation of others or, or rising to what other people think or what they think we should do and we go to what the Lord wants us to do, thinks we should do, is, is that when we, things come to this, when... That's not true. That saying the girls were do, saying, that's just not true. You know, we could say, we could come out and say that, Lord, what is truth? And what do you, truth do you have for me? You know, in the main service, Brother Luke's going to be preaching for us. And it's that as you listen, as we listen to pastors, as we listen to these men of God that come into our church, we are searching for truth. We want to search for truth that can penetrate our heart because what? According to the New Testament, the truth can set us free. And many of us, this is that we are, whether we believe it or not, we're, we're deceived. We're deceived into whatever lie we believe in. But God's truth can free us from those, those bonds, that deception, those lies, and give us that truth in our heart. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Thank you so much.